Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I'm Michael Fiddle, and on today's episode, a quick game I just made up about evaluating statistics and a lesson on unit distribution while using tonight's Game 3 as the example. Per usual, before we get to the meat of the episode, let me tell you guys where you can meet me. First, by following and subscribing to this podcast. Episodes will continue to drop two to three times per week, centered around the biggest games. So make sure you are followed and subscribed so you get podcasts just like this one. Two, follow me on Twitter at AdvantagePod underscore SE. The SE stands for Sports Ethos, since this is a Sports Ethos podcast presentation. So make sure you are following me there. I often tweet my picks or line movement or where the money's at. Some insightful gambling knowledge stuff from my Twitter account. And third, sign up for the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. This is where I post all my picks right when I take them. So if you want to be able to tail me and get the same odds that I get, that's the best place to do it. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So the game we're going to play today, it's pretty straightforward. It's called, Are These Stats Relevant? or irrelevant. The rules are fairly simple too. I'm going to say a stat that I keep hearing as we head into this game, and we'll discuss if it's relevant for capping, or to talk some slang, if the stat is total cap itself. Ideally, this is a game we could play with guests in the future, because they may have a different take on what a relevant stat in terms of gambling is. But the main objective is to allow you guys as listeners access to the people who have been doing gambling for a long time and hear out which stats they value and which they view as worthless. There are so many new voices in the gambling space spewing irrelevant stats. So it's so this is hopefully to help you guys weed through that and understand which stats are valuable. Okay, stat number one. The Celtics are 6-0 after a loss in the playoffs. I'm sure you could have completed the sentence after I said the Celtics are 6-0. Again, this stat is all over the place right now. And to me, wildly irrelevant. What Boston did in a bounce-back situation against Milwaukee in Game 2 or against the Heat in Game 4 does not actually matter in a game against the Warriors and Celtics in a 1-1 series where the Celtics now control home court. If anything, we could say, it shows how resilient they are. It shows how well they adjust. If you could tell by my tone, I'm not buying that. I think it's a small sample size, six games. And I think this is a really good team that's just really hard to beat twice in a row. And it hasn't happened yet. Great teams are hard to beat. But what happens when great teams reach the NBA Finals? They play against other great teams teams. They face their toughest competition now against the Warriors. Now, I'm not ruling out a Boston loss, so I don't think we can rule out a Boston loss tonight simply because they haven't lost any back-to-backs in rounds one, two, or three. Okay, stat number two, the plus-minus section of the box score for Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson was a minus 27 in game one, in a 12-point loss. And he was a plus-minus zero in game two, in a 19-point win. To me, relevant. 
it shows Clay does not fit well in this series. He did do well guarding Al Horford. That was a game two adjustment. But knowing this information, I don't want to fade Clay because his numbers are dropping at the sports book and he could always go off. But I also don't want to back Clay knowing this. It does factor how I will play other Warriors tonight, like the Andrew Wiggins prop I will discuss in a bit. Stat number three 60% of the bets are on the Golden State Warriors tonight. And 51% of the money is on Boston tonight. Boy, if you've listened to me talk before, you know this is very, very relevant. Knowing where the money is and where the public is gives you a huge advantage in the actual game. Why is that? Well, because the public is generally wrong and they generally lose. And the professional gamblers, the guys who make a living doing this stuff are generally right and profitable. So if we know how to read lines and we know how to read the splits to figure out where the public is and where the professionals are, and we position our bets according to the numbers, we simply are increasing our chances to win that bet. And therefore, the stat is very relevant. Stat number four. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and Derek White combined for 65 points in Game 1 and a total of 16 points in Game 2. Horford, Smart, and Robert Williams, three Celtic starters, all finished with two points each in Game 2. To me, this is pretty irrelevant to Game 3. If you told me their Game 1 numbers and asked me who won, I'd say the C's. If you told me their game two stats and asked me who won, I'd say the Warriors. These st- that's pretty easy because these examples are on each extreme end of the spectrum. Simply by telling me the numbers, it has no bearing on the next game's numbers. What adjustments are being made? How significant are they? Were the minutes for all those guys still there? Did anyone get into foul trouble? There are so many other factors that is it impossible to use a previous game's point total to predict the future. We can't say the Dubs figured out the Celtics role players and now control the series simply by knowing that Al Horford scored two points. If you look to game three props, Smart is projected 13.5, Horford 11.5, and White 11.5 as well. So if you told me they'd reach their game three total as a collective group, and you say these three players score 37 points, I'd say, well, I have no guess who won. And that's why it's irrelevant. Last one, the total opened at 215.5 and and has dropped three points to 212.5. To me, again, line movement, very, very relevant. This stuff matters a lot. Line movement like this significant to the under tells me that the sharps are on the under and big money is on the under as well. And if I'm going to join in on the total, I'll be playing the under. It may give me no play on the total because it's dropped three points and you'd have to bet it at 212.5. So you'd have a CLV of minus three, closing line value of minus three. And you've essentially lost a lot of value 
on the previous number that the Sharps got on. But regardless of playing the total on its own, when a game is sharped towards the under, that matters for props too. You don't want to hammer Steph or Tatum's like over 28, 29 points if they are projecting a low-scoring game. Because reaching like near 30 points in that limited volume is simply just tough. In situations like this, you may actually want to under the stars because that's a lot to ask for them in a low-scoring situation. So if you see Al Horford's two points in game two, his 11.5 line in game three, and a game sharped to the under, you may be thinking, I want to go over on Horford because he's going to have a bounce back game. Or I want to go under on Horford because this is a game sharp towards the under. Of those two situations, the second one is actually a more relevant take. In the future, I hope we have other people on so I can throw some stats at them and get their gut reaction. Hey, do you find this relevant or irrelevant? But I will keep doing those things for you guys so that you can help weed through some of the BS that all these new pro gamblers are talking about, claiming which stats are the most relevant to handicap the next game, saying you should definitely take Boston because they haven't lost a back-to-back yet. It's pretty stupid. Okay, now let's use the best bets for game three, and we'll talk about unit distribution. To save time, I'm not going to go in-depth about why I like the pick, but rather why I'm wagering the amount that I am on each bet. So my three bets that I identified for tonight's Celtics-Warriors game three are the Celtics to cover the spread, minus three or minus 3.5, wherever you get the line, the under to 12.5, and Andrew Wiggins to go over one and a half threes. So now that I've identified all the bets that I actively want to take on this game, how do I distribute my units so it is all cohesive? I have a personal max exposure of three units on a given game. That is because if anything goes awry, I have a max loss of three units on that game. You may place a bunch of wagers and run into a situation where the game goes according to a script no one really even foresaw, and everyone loses. So that's why you put a max cap exposure on a given game. So what does that look like for a Celtics-Warriors game? Maybe a key player gets hurt. Another key player gets into bad foul trouble. And now one team is down two core pieces, and they end up being down 25 at halftime. They only play eight minutes of the second half, the starters. Tatum and Curry both didn't play a second in the game two fourth quarter. So it's possible that these players that we bet on are not even the ones who are causing cashing tickets. Last game, I mentioned I liked Kevon Looney to be the game's top rebounder. The other options were Al Horford, Draymond, Time Lord, Wiggins, Curry, anyone you normally expect. Well, given the fact that Nemanja Bialica got some decent first half minutes, and then a whole fourth quarter of garbage time, he was very close to being the game's top rebounder. Bielitsa. If things like this happen, you cut your losses at three unit on that game and move on knowing that game went crazy, 
but we didn't take a crazy loss because of it. So once you've identified your max exposure spot, which to me is three units, and now I have three bets, do I just bet one unit on each since I have three legs? No. You got to evaluate the legs. First, you don't have to reach maximum exposure. That's why it's called maximum. Minimum exposure would be zero bets at all. So for any given game, I am betting between zero and three units. How do you decide how you want to split up the units? To me, it's kind of like a confidence meter. I ask myself how confident I am in the handicapping I did to reach the conclusion that I should make that bet. For this case, the biggest bet will be the Celtics covering the spread at 1.1 unit to win one. The reason for this being the biggest bet is because I have the most information at my disposal that show this is the correct bet. In this case, I know that the percentage of money is higher than the percentage of bet tickets. My subscription to a bet tracking website shows that sharp action is on the Celtics. We have line movement going from minus 3 to minus 3.5, confirming that regardless of the public, the money and the experts are on the Celtics since the Celtics lost value in the spread. Also, two of my top NBA experts that I tail have both vocalized that they like the Celtics in game three. And I happen to jump in a bit on the line at the minus three number. So I also have it at its best available number. Because of all this, my biggest bet tonight is on the spread. Next, under 212.5. For this one, I also have a good bit of information, but not all of the stuff that I had for the spread. I know the line opened at 215.5 and, and was quickly bet down by the Sharps to 212.5. My betting tracking website also shows the Sharp action is on the under, and when you have line movement and the tracking website both showing this, it's a pretty good indication that it's real sharp action on that line. Additionally, one of the experts that I tail also mentioned that they have a model that projects this game to end around 211, which is an underplay. What I don't have for betting the total are the betting splits. I don't know how many tickets are on the over, and I don't know how much money is there. Sportsbooks give less information out for betting totals, and naturally, it's a bit more ambiguous. Combined with the on-court stuff of a decent tempo pace in this series and a lot of three-point shooting, I could really see this going either way. There's enough indicators to take the under, but not to the same extent of the spread. Also, we're getting the 212.5 and not a better 215 or 214 line, so only a half unit on the under tonight. Last, Andrew Wiggins, Wiggy to get busy, over 1.53s. I wanted to back Wiggins somehow. I like the points total. I still do. But considering I'm on the under for the game, I'd rather play his total threes. For Wiggins to hit the over on his threes, it could literally be done in two shots and only take six points. I'm not asking for crazy volume, although covering this on two shots would be in perfect efficiency. I'm ultimately betting this because I think it is a volume play. Wiggins has got a lot of looks recently, and it provides value with everyone looking to bet Steph, Clay, and Poole. But if the volume is there for Wiggins like I expect it to be, he should cover the threes. And since covering his threes has less of an impact than on the under than covering his total points, I'd rather play the threes line. 
for props, we don't have line movement, betting split indicators, or in-depth models and systems. Instead, we rely on minutes projections and volume projections and could look to some experts in the prop space for confirmation it's a solid play. However, finding the betting stats to back props that are relevant is really hard to do. So for this prop bet, four-tenths of a unit to win 0.3. I got these odds at minus 130. I want to be able to win on the under, lose on the threes, and still end up profitable. That's how I've split up those units. And now that I've identified those three bets, another thing to note is that those three bets are not part of one specific storyline for the game. This is really important. Once you have the three bets, you have to realize, I'm not saying that Curry balls out, the Warriors win because he goes nuclear, and end up betting the Warriors spread, the team total over, and Curry over. That may work in a one-off game situation, but it leaves you very vulnerable over time to not picking the right storyline. When you place multiple bets on the same game, play multiple storylines. These bets that I put in tonight don't really overlap. The Celtics could win by four or more regardless of the total. It could be 101 to 95 or 120 to 111. Wiggins could have two three-pointers with the Warriors scoring 95 points. He may only have one with them scoring 111. So you can see I'm not pigeonholing myself into a game script and banking my bets because of that. I'm playing multiple bets I like in the book, figuring out the angles that don't interrupt each other, that aren't dependent on one another, and splitting them up in value based on the valuable information that I have used to pick out those lines. Okay, I hope that makes sense. I hope you guys enjoy watching the game. I hope we cash some tickets tonight. Not sure when my next pod will be because I'm currently in New York uh, traveling a bit right now. But I will be tweeting out all my plays. So make sure you follow me again at AdvantagePod underscore SE. It's time to go get some chocolate chip cookies. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.